0: Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for Easter, April 1st, 2018. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Russ Dean, co-pastor with Amy Jackstein at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon today is entitled, April Fools, From Start to Finish.
1: I told Amy I thought about standing up today and saying, after all that, let's just go home. <laughs> but I figured no one would believe I'm not gonna preach on Easter Sunday anyway. <laughs> so I'll just say happy Easter and April Fools to you. The origin of April Fools' Day is a matter of debate. No one knows for sure when or exactly how it came about. Geoffrey Chaucer's work, The Nun's Priest's Tale, written in 1392, Tells of an arrogant rooster deceived by a crafty fox. According to Chaucer, and using his old English language, that tale occurred when that the month in which the world began, that height March, when God first made man, was complete and past were also sin. March began thirty days and two. Chaucer scholars debate whether the father of English literature was making reference to 32 days, 30 days and two, from the, after the end of March, or a humorous 32nd day of March, which would be April 1st. Some point to Chaucer's crafty fox as the first trickster, and to that old rooster as the first April Fool. In France, the day is called Poisson d'Avril, literally April fish, because any young fish foolish enough to be caught deserves to be pranked. In Spain and some Hispanic countries, December 28th is the day of holy innocence, and those who are gullible, which is what that Spanish word actually means, are pranked. In Belgium, it's called the day of of the stupid children. (laughs) I apologize, parents. We would have never celebrated that in my home because stupid was a bad word in my childhood. They celebrate Fooling Day on the island of Menorca and Dia de Mentira, the day of the lie in Brazil. In Iran, the 13th day of the first month is called Sizda Bedar, Nature's Day. People spread fake news on that day and they call out Doro Sisda, which means lie of 13. Apparently, all over the world, we love fooling and being made the fool. One of the consistent reports on the beginnings of April Fool's Day refers to the origin of the Gregorian calendar. All around the globe, today is April 1, but we take for granted the consistency of the calendar because it has not always been so. There is evidence of rudimentary calendar-keeping even in the prehistoric Neolithic period, though the first formulated calendars were used in the ancient Middle East, 3,000 years BCE. Most Civilizations had developed their own calendars, so in an effort to synchronize his broad empire, Julius Caesar approved a new calendar 46 years before Christ. That Julian calendar, as it became known, grew in popularity, though it was not immediately and uniformly accepted. And there was one very basic discrepancy with some other calendars. When does the year actually begin? The Julian calendar had set January the 1st as New Year's Day, but many Christian countries had had coordinated their calendars to coincide with significant events in the life of Jesus, most prominently setting the beginning of the year to align with Easter. The resurrection of Jesus, after all, had marked a new beginning to end all new beginnings. Giving a new understanding of endings, a new hope for beginnings, it was only appropriate that the year revolve around the new life the resurrected Christ brings to all. Eventually, however, even Pope Gregory caved into the culture and following a call for consistency in calendaring, Pope Gregory gave his stamp of approval to a new calendar that would eventually become the world's standard. The Gregorian calendar was pronounced official in 1582, even though well into the 17th century there were still competing dating systems around the globe. And there was also a Catholic and Protestant schism with Catholics following the Pope's calendar, while Protestants were not bound to that loyalty. In the United States, Protestants celebrated New Year's Day on March the 25th until 1752. As these Protestants did, others of the faithful held firm to a Christianized calendar, recognizing Easter as the beginning of the year. And since the date of Easter is set based on the lunar cycle and is related to the vernal equinox, for these outliers, the new year would always begin with Easter and the beginning of spring. Their world revolved around the resurrection, so they would not change their calendars even when they became known as April Fool's or refusing to conform to the new standard oh oh that we would all become such april fools standing strong enough to keep the faith even in the face of pressures to conform to an increasingly faithless culture oh that we would all become such april fools setting our limits not on what the world says is impossible but on a vision of all that God says is possible. Oh, that we would all become such April fools, believing, trusting, hoping beyond hope that in every ending there is a new beginning. Oh, that we would all become such April fools because April fools. April fools death. That is the story of Easter, the very heart of our faith. Easter, resurrection, April, fool's death, because not even the grave could hold Jesus. April fool's despair, because into the darkest valley of hopelessness, Easter offers a flickering flame of hope. April fools all endings because faith dares us to believe that every end, every single end, holds the beautiful hope of a new beginning. Now, of course, there is a tension between the church's April and calendar April, between Easter newness and just another month, between resurrection and more of the mundane same. The challenge for Christians is to let April fool all that would keep us down so that April becomes a new way, not just another day. A new hope, not just more of the same. A new vision, not just cynicism and skepticism and sarcasm this April foolishness is the work of God. And we are reminded by the words of the Apostle Paul, God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom. Nowhere is the work of God any more dramatically clear than in the story of Easter, where even death, which is sometimes called the final enemy, even death is shown to be no match for the creative will of God to bring life where there is no life. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no Christian faith, nothing to distinguish our ancestors in faith from their Jewish kin or other religions. The resurrection of Jesus changed the world. But the resurrection was not new. Resurrection is the work of God, and it is apparent from the very beginning. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. There was no light and God brought light. And to paraphrase the text, there was morning and there was Easter, the first new day, and God said, it is good. It is the work of God to bring light out of darkness from the beginning. This is our story throughout Scripture Because it is the work of God from eternity to eternity. The story of Israel, called the people of God, that story is the true story of a real people living on planet earth. But it is also a metaphor for the life of faith anywhere, anytime. God calls old Abram and he says, Get up and go from this land to another land and when you get to that land, I will make you the father of a great nation there. Old Abram's a bit skeptical and he says, what land, Lord? Where is this land? And how do I get there? And is it nice there? And is there food there? And is there water there? And are there any enemies there? Is it cold in the winter, And hot in the summer? And God says, no, Abram, That's part of the deal. You just follow. I will lead. You'll get there. And then I will make of you a great nation. And Abram says, but Lord, you know, I'm old. And my wife, old Sarai, she's even older. She's beyond childbearing years. How can this be? And God says to the old couple, April Fool's barrenness, too. And when Sarah gave birth, she named him Isaac, which means something like, God made me laugh because I am old and now I have a child. It's the story of the people of God. And not only was Sarah said to be barren, of course that's a patriarchal under, misunderstanding of, of uh, Childbearing in those days, but Sarah was said to be barren, but also Rebecca and also Rachel, a trifecta of infertility. The mother, the daughter, and the grandmother of God's great promise to make Abram a great nation were all barren. In Jewish thought, there is a number, three is the number of completion, of perfection, So there was no possibility whatsoever that God was going to make a great nation of Abraham and Isaac and Sarah because there were three generations of silence in the womb. But with God, all things are possible. It is the story of faith and the Bible is replete with it After Abraham and Sarah gave birth to their child of hope and promise and laughter to this miracle child, God tells Abraham to take Isaac up the mountain and kill him. But up there in the thicket, a ram is caught and Isaac is spared and life lives to see another day. Old Jonah was in the darkened belly of that smelly fish for three days. It was complete death. The people were given into the hand of the Pharaoh the promise of life stifled by bitter slavery. And it happened again in Babylon. The hope of promised land was scorched in 40 wandering years of desert heat. At every turn there is a disappointing ending a wall of insurmountable opposition, a valley too deep to navigate. But somehow, life lives to see another day. And at the end of the story, well, there's a new beginning still. Stranded on the island of Patmos, a strange prophet named John, knowing his people were battered by persecution, there was death all around. John envisions a limitless hope, an eternal victory of joy over pain, of celebrating over suffering, of life over death. He had a vision and he said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven And the first earth had passed away. Even heaven had passed away. But there was something new. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And I heard a voice. See, look. The home of God is among mortals. God will dwell with them. God will be with them. Death will be no more. For the first things, all of the first things, Life and death and heaven and hell, all of those things have passed away. There's something new. Now I think it is not pie in the sky by and by to live your life with eternal hope. Hope is not just cheery optimism, just believing everything is always going to be okay, and that there's the happy hereafter. Hope is clear-eyed reality, but it is reality seeded in past experience and fertilized and fed with the courage to face life unafraid and to work believing God calls us always to a new and better reality. This morning in Baltimore, my friend Dr. John Ballinger will say to his crowd of this Easter resurrection story, there is more energy and potential in a faith that doesn't get bogged down in defending what is hard to believe, but celebrates what it knows to be true. So I say to you this day, resurrection is true. This morning we gather with Christians around the world to celebrate that never-ending work of God. The hope that never stops bringing new beginnings. We celebrate because we have seen it. It is a universal experience. Resurrection. Ancient pagans spoke of the hope of the phoenix rising from the ashes. Buddhists Celebrate the connectedness of all things. Hindus talk of reincarnation. Jews affirm the ongoing work of God in human history. Biologists marvel at regeneration and the mystery of the caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. Biologists marvel at the fertility, the fecundity and tenacity of life. Even atheists see patterns of infinity in which all things are possible. Christians celebrate the hope of resurrection because we have seen the vitality that hope brings to the lonely and the downtrodden, to the depressed and the dying. April fools from start to finish. And then it starts all over again. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. May it be so.
0: We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.